You're listening to Both Sides of the Mask. Umpires getting together to talk what it's like on both sides of their mask. Creating a fun atmosphere for anyone who can relate to sports, life, and officiating. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today we have a very special guest on our podcast. Um, we really thank everyone for all their support and the feedback that we continue to getting. We thank you so much. Um, please continue to check out our socials. I'm putting some things on our Facebook link on both sides of the map. So uh, if there's any information or any uh, suggestions that you would like to put out there, please do. Uh, some uh, uh, things you'll see that we'll be posting uh, will be based on um, opinions on, you know, equipment, uniforms that you'll see that I'll be posting as well. Uh, but other than that, um, this past weekend, uh, we had some really great weather. I was baking in the sun. I sat through 12 softball games. And not like for each kid, it was six and six. So that, that was fun. Oh, okay. Um, so um, still kind of, you know, still trying to hydrate after all this, but other than that, uh, Tony, how was your weekend? I was going to say you had 12, 12 games, not you umpire, but there's umpires out there that would do 12 games this weekend. But I, I was like, man, that is a big tournament. If one daughter is playing 12 games, because I remember you're saying you're having to go back and forth across the city, trying to watch both yeah, of them. It's been, it's been interesting, but uh, my little one, her birthday was on Thursday. And uh, so then Sunday we had a birthday party for her. So we had people over to my in-laws house because they have, they have about five acres there so we can spread out and, and be socially distanced while we still social. So that was kind of cool. She got some stuff and uh, thanks to Amazon for waiting till yesterday to bring all the gifts for her. So <laughs> Shout out to Amazon Prime there. Hey, I was talking to uh, uh, Brad from Referee Magazine, and he was telling me about this free umpiring summit or official summit. They're going to do some different sports. And I know that Craig from the Soup is going to be on there. Sally's going to be on there. Um, a few other people, I think Smokey and Mike Bartling are going to join Craig on this call. But it's a digital officiating event. So you can check out that on Referee Mag. And then, uh, yeah, we had a sponsor that we kind of threw in at the last last of our show last week, Liz. Yeah, our sponsor, uh, Moo Period, with Destiny Robinson and her crew in uh, Pensacola, Florida. So we are so excited about that. Yeah. Um, you know, check out their website. Check out their YouTube page. They have some great tools that you can use to be able to stay in shape if you're a beginner to advance. Um, if, we don't know how this pandemic is going to turn, but if you're looking for some things... Uh, once your gym closes or if it's still closed or if you just want to get some, you know, something in before you head out to the field or whatever you're doing, they have some great, great uh, exercises and uh, ideas that you can. And not only for, for us official, officials, but also for if you have any athletes in your family, uh, especially like the youth that are trying to shape for their seasons. It's uh, some, some great tools that you can use there. We have a very special guest today uh, from the state of Illinois. We'll let him introduce himself. Go ahead, Marty, please. Give us a little short bio of yourself. A short bio? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so I know both of you. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, I'm Marty Ebizetian, um here in the Chicagoland area. And yeah, appreciate being here. i I obviously, uh, I, I umpire softball with the, with the two of you. Uh, I'm a football referee as well. And I serve as the video services and training coordinator for the SUP, uh, which is the softball umpire program 
And uh, yeah, that's on the NCAA side. So I don't know what else you want to know, but here we are. No, it's all good. I met Marty. When did we meet? Maybe 2015. I'm glad you're bringing this up, Tony, but keep going. <laughs> I had just, I had just, I, I just heard about Marty. I'd never worked with him before. And this is like my second year in NCAA softball. And I got to go to a regional that year. And I had a really good regional. I had good uh, reports back from the coaches and I get a note in and they're like, Hey, you're going to a super regional. And I'm like, Oh snap. <laughs> so Marty shows up on the list and I was like, all right, all right. And, uh, was it Anita that was with <laughs> us that year? It was Anita. Yeah. So we roll up in there and Marty drives down from Chicago. Cause it was in, uh, it was a uh, university of Missouri, St. Louis That's right there. And so we roll in there and he's like, Hey, I'm down in my room. Uh, I got some new pants. I brought my sewing machine. I'm, I'm doing some, going to hem up my pants. Does anybody need any work done on the pants? And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> that's not my takeaway from that weekend. That wasn't the only one. So then I'm like, okay, well that's, that's pretty cool. So we roll up into the locker room and the locker room is an art room. Classroom is where they have us there. <laughs> and, uh, Marty walks in. We don't have just, you know, a little speaker. I have a little speaker that I carry along. Marty walks in with this boom box up on his shoulder. He's like, what you guys want to listen to? I'm like, all right. So he cranks it up and man, we are just blasting this and people will come peek in the door and they're like, what's happening in here? we got a concert going on. Five, five American dollars, Tony, if you can tell me what we were bumping in that room. Oh, man. I can't remember what you turned out. I know we had seventies rolling for a while. We had some earth, wind and fire that did play. That's the sure. one thing that I do remember, but I, I don't remember what we started off. We with. were, we were playing some Nick Jonas in there. Oh, we did. You are right. We did. We had some of that. And I think you threw up some even older school, we went with some backstreet boys. Probably. Yeah. But we had, I, I just remember the, uh, I remember the, uh, the NCAA rep coming in thinking we were absolutely nuts because we're in this adjacent building. We're, we're not at the field. Umsel's field was, uh, was kind of off to the side and we're in this, uh, educational building, whatever it was. And it was an art classroom, I think. Mm -hmm just tons of windows. So I remember, you know, we're getting changed in like an art room facing the street, something right. like that. But yeah, we were, we were rocking some, we had probably the youngest crew in America. So we were just, you know, had to get loose. <laughs> I think we were, I think our whole crew was just over 30 at that time. Yeah. Makes sense. So I would guarantee. And then we had our, um, our alternate there was actually just from down the street and we wouldn't had, it was, wasn't it right after it was Dan Rogers. It was Dan Rogers. Wasn't it after all the Ferguson deal? Yeah. Was that, yeah, that, that was, um, that was, we actually, didn't we go to the Ferguson brewing company or we went somewhere around there? Yeah. It's the brewing company that's in Ferguson. I'm not really, I can't remember the name of it, but we went, I was at the re the super regional there, the regional and super regional there the next year. And we went to that same place again. Yeah. That's what I, that's what, that was my first experience with Marty party as Liz likes to call you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember at that series you had, there was a, uh, there was a call at first base. You were at first base and it was something having to do with off the bag or on the bag. And I remember the indie coach came out and, 
lost the mind about it and wanted you to go for help and you stuck to your guns was like, I don't have to go for help. And she was sure that you had to go for help by rule. I remember that. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, I don't. I was like, a boy. <laughs> what, what was the name of that coach? What was her name? Uh, Missy, I think. Right. I think, I think you're right. And I had her, uh, the next year after that. And she remembered, she remembered it as well. So that was, that was fun times and cool experience. And that's what I remember, you know, Marty from, and if you could see him, he's set up here, he's got sound dampening panels on his wall. He's got a broadcast mic. Let's just listen to Marty's voice for a second. Can you give us a radio voice there, Marty? WMBC. No, <laughs> I, I don't. Is that no? All right. Welcome to both sides of the mask. <laughs> oh yeah, we could do that. <laughs> it's it's like it's like four a.m. So I, it, my voice isn't quite where it needs to be. It's not the smoker's voice yet. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, the la- the lounge voice. No, but it's awesome to have you on here. <clears throat> not only does Marty work NCAA softball, he works NCAA football as well. I've seen he's come down here and done some games in Springfield and wife and I went out to go see him there and it, uh, the game wasn't good, but it was fun to watch him and, and him being a different element. It, it was just kind of, it's kind of cool to see. And I know we all go out and do it and, and just, you watch officials differently. It doesn't even matter if you call the sport. I've never called football in my life, but watching it, you watch different things and watch it going on. And now I find myself watching you are the back judge in that game and watching the back judge in, in football games and see what's even going on for it. So how did, how did the football side of it start for you, Marty, or what came first? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I think that they all kind of came right at the same time. So my dad is a high school football referee in Illinois and he's been officiating since geez, I don't know, 1973 or something like that. So I grew up around it. He was working the state finals in in high school football when I was seven, eight, and nine. So yeah, 92, 93, 94. And, you know, he he took me down there to to go down to they're they're held at Illinois State at the time. So I was like a seven-year-old running around at Illinois State while he's working a state final. And he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, figure it out. You'll be you'll be fine. Go down there and do your thing. So here's a seven year old with a field pass just running around doing uh, whatever or going up into the press area and bothering the guy from the Tribune and eating a bunch of donuts and who knows. But <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up around that and he actually runs the um, the youth baseball and softball program in our in our town here. So we've got four thousand kids in a program and I grew up around that as well. So I've, I've been the bad guy umpiring stuff in, in our town since maybe I was like 11 or 12, I think when I started and, uh, got into a bunch of bad habits that way and had to work out of bad habits, develop new bad habits, you know, that sort of a thing. Uh, did you play any sports since your dad is a, has been heavily involved with, you know, the, with the community and also officiating? I'm sorry. Did you say, did I play any sports? Well, <laughs> I think the well came at the beginning. Well, I mean, I was trying to be nice, yeah. but, um, but go ahead, carry on. We would love to hear this. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it depends on your definition of play. I, I played, um, played football growing up and played baseball growing up. And probably as a little kid played basketball 
wasn't particularly good at any of them. I played, I think, freshman football and I played baseball in high school as like the uh, the relief to the relief to the relief uh, of a, a pitcher. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, not not any particularly well, but, uh, you know, why else do we officiate? Right. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason why I, I love bringing that up because, you know, you, you've seen my two mini me's running around, you know, when we've umpired together and, you know, they, they have a, just a different respect for us because, you know, they see both sides, you know, they see the athletic side that they get to compete with. And then they see like how we handle our business on the field. And it's piqued an interest, not just only with them, but also their peers. Huh. That's what I was wondering, like, you know, as you're growing up, because, uh, you know, you see your dad out there and you see these, you know, these athletes out there that he's out there game managing, you know, did it start from a, a younger age? Like, Hey, you know, I want to be just, just like my dad. I want to get involved. You know, is that something that piqued your interest at a younger age? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I knew like I was the kid that, um, I, like I think it was fourth grade. I remember there being like a pickup football game, uh, at our school during recess on the blacktop. And I was the kid with like yellow construction paper making a flag and I was going to referee the game instead of playing it. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely got me shoved in a locker, but you know, that prepared me for life on the field as well. <laughs> so here we are. I spent my time in a couple of lockers for dork moments like that. And I think it's that other nerd side of me that just always wants to get involved with other things and just try to figure other stuff out. And, and, uh, you know, there at Umsel, it's right there by, they have an observatory when you drive out, they have their big telescope. You remember that when we, when you pull in the drive there, Marty? Uh, vaguely. Yeah. So you, you pull in the drive there where the field is and just off to the right, there's a barn looking thing because we still are Missouri and, and close to farmland, but there's an observatory that's there as well. And uh, the, the girls and I have well, Isabella was at the barn last night and there's the uh, Neowise Comet F3 that's shooting through the sky at the moment that kind of show, showed up from the near earth uh, object finder is what it came from that telescope. But also last night popped up on the app, hey, you can go out and see the International Space Station. I don't know if anybody's really seen it. It's like a plane that goes by, but it there's no flashing lights. It doesn't, you know, doesn't leave uh, a trail behind it but just nerd stuff like that. And so there's something else that you do, Marty, and the love that you have for music. And this, this guy sent me, we'll have to get it okayed by him. Maybe he can throw it up on YouTube and we can share a video or a link to this ukulele song that he did. Oh boy. Oh no, don't even, Oh boy me. It's oh, good. Boy. It's good stuff. Maybe we'll just play a little piece of it here. Maybe Liz, I can put it Liz in the audio. Perked up and this is like <laughs> ukulele song. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> oh. So the sound engineering side of it and uh, your your Coda Room stuff that you have, Marty. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Coda Room is uh, a media entity um, as a uh, recording studio. We've got a studio in Chicago. Um, we've got uh, James R. Waters out in London doing the, doing the, uh, the Coda room presence out in London. And, uh, from a Coda room media perspective, you know, we do a bunch of, uh, bunch of video work and we distribute, uh, in-ear monitors and hearing protection. So custom earphones, basically custom headphones and custom hearing protection. So 
earplugs or for shooters, uh, custom active shooters plugs and stuff like that. So yeah, we do tons of that, but I, I started, um, started the engineering side of life probably around, I, I mean, I toured some as a musician and as a tour manager and all that starting from when I was 18 and, um, got into the engineering side of it shortly thereafter and toured in Europe as a front of house engineer and the U S here and all over the place. So it, it made sense to get back into the recording thing after, uh, I was a staff engineer at a place called racks tracks in Chicago, which is kind of a iconic, uh, recording studio here. And, uh, did that sort of a deal and now you can do stuff from basically anywhere so not only do we have our spot downtown but you know i'm, I'm sitting in a place right now where i can do this type of work so it's kind of cool no it's super cool just when you think just when you think you know everything about somebody i think that's kind of what it's been or what the whole podcast setup that we've had is humanizing you know the officiating world you know you think you know what the officials are doing or they're just out there to screw me but we're just, we're just people. Yeah. I think that's a, yeah, a, a big misconception with us, you know, because, you know, you know, they, they look at us as almost like as an enemy, you know, when they see us out on the field, um, it, like almost like we're, they dehumanize us, you know, because we're in a position that is, um, it used to be in a, an authoritative position, but it's almost like, you know, we're kind of like a threat to them because, you know, we're, we're calling their little lady, lady Susan out, uh, out at first base, you know, because, you know, she didn't make it, you know, <laughs> or she looked at strike three, you know, so it's like, Oh, how dare you? So, um, you know, and sometimes they do forget that, you know, we are human and, um, but also there's like a positive side to it. Like I see that a lot with my position with two girls that are still playing and, you know, it, it comes with the territory. You know, sometimes I try to hide from it when there's a controversial play that happens and they're looking for me and I'm just like hiding behind a tree, like, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask. It was obstruction. Don't ask, you know, but, um, at the same time, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you start to see, um, there are some logic to this, uh, profession that we do, lack of better words, I should say, but there's a lot of people that do respect for what we do. And, um, it's starting to build a trend and we see a lot more, uh, the younger generations coming in, uh, to take on this role. So, um, <clears throat> Marty, uh, sorry, I just to clear my throat. Um, <laughs> Let me clear my throat. There we go. <laughs> That's right. Musical interlude number one. That's right. It's the, it's the Marty Party sing-along. That's right. That's going to be the title. We're done. <laughs> Boom. Love it. So, uh, you know, with the, the youth group that, you know, you know, we touch base with your dad, do you see a lot of the, uh, uh, the youth coming in and, and getting involved with officiating? doesn't matter what sport. Have you been seeing uh, a turnaround with that? Or what's, what's your take on it? Yeah. So there, there is here for sure. I mean, I used to be more involved with it, you know, when I was here doing it or when I was just coming up through high school ball and, and would come do that, even on the football side uh, here, it would be like, all right, we've got uniforms that we can throw, like everything that, that sits in my closet that I'm done with pretty much ends up going into a bin. And it's like, all right, we've got a bunch of stripes and we've got a bunch of, you know, whatever it is. We've got a bunch <laughs> of old Honig shirts and uh, stuff like that. I'm sorry, they don't sponsor you. Should we not say that on here? 
I'm just just kidding. No, No, but we're being realistic. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No, um, you'd have the kids in town and and you kind of pitched it uh, as it's like you can go to, to a kid who's maybe 16, just got his license. It's like he's either bagging groceries at at the grocery store at Jewel down the street and making his six dollars an hour or seven dollars an hour or whatever it is. Uh, or you can come here on a Saturday and work four games and make $55 a game. And that's cash. And just you're going to make more this week working four games on a Saturday or come out. We've got a 545 and a 745 game at night, uh, Monday through Friday at whatever park. You can go work two games, make 110 bucks and, and go home. So it's more than you'd ever make going to Jewel. You can free up your free up your time, stay involved with the game. You know what I mean? And then kind of teach people the basics of, uh, of, uh, what to do. So, yeah, I'm not so much involved on the youth side as, as I should be anymore, but they're, um, they definitely have, they definitely have like the, the local kids around here. I think they get started about 12. Um, we can get, we allow people to get, um, or they allow people to get involved earlier as like scoreboard operators and announcers. So I think once you're like 11, 10 or 11, something like that, you can kind of work into work in the games to go, you, you go up and you work the scoreboard and you, you announce, teach them how to set up and, and all that. And they work from that into officiating the game. I think that's, that's a nice little trade right there. Like we know Shane Jackson, his son does that at, at the university that he attends, um, at, uh, Jacksonville state and, um, it's just a, it's, I think it's, it's an excellent trade to get into because, you know, the, obviously all the sports are getting a lot more advertising, you know, we're starting to see a lot more sports that are, expo- you know, has the exposure, you know, whether it's streaming, whatever it's live or it's been recorded. Um, and I think it's, it's a, a hidden trait that we kind of ignored. Like, I know, like we used to have like the, the kids that were work, like, you know, the Monday, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the morning news, you know, at schools and we used to make fun of them because they were nerds, but it's like, really, these guys are really making a name for themselves. And it's like, this is, this is a hot trend right now, you know, doing podcasts, doing some type of streaming, some type of radio, um, even some of the things that you've been getting into. And I think uh, it's starting to make a huge comeback with all this technology that's out there. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I personally think it's, it's really been blowing up in the last five, six years with this whole radio and podcast. I think it's really cool that you guys are doing this because this is this is a um, it's definitely a medium that people are paying attention to. I, I got into the the podcast scene late. Uh, my buddy Dan Cassidy is like super, super, super into podcasts and he keeps throwing me, oh, listen to this or oh, I'm really into this. And, you know, you kind of go down the rabbit hole and, uh, you know, put put the uh, put the headphones in and and go mow the lawn and listen to what people are up to and kind of connect that way on a personal level. So I think where some things have failed as far as the officiating life goes and in, in trying to recruit people or what however you want to call it, um this is this has got a lot of opportunity to fill a void. I mean, my dad got into it, I think um my dad got into officiating by needing to fill time at Eastern Illinois University. And he took an officiating class. It was a sports offici- officiating class to fill hours. And the dude that 
taught it was an NFL referee. And so they would have class on Thursday and they would go referee a game together, a high school JV game on a Thursday night. And then everybody else would get a high school assignment on Friday. And then this dude would take off for his NFL weekend and go work whoever, you know, go work the 49ers and something like that. And so that's how he got involved. He never, he never had any idea of officiating. And this is what, what makes this so cool is that somebody could be listening to this and go, geez, I'd never thought about officiating a sport or mm-hmm. like that, you know, these are the bad guys or whatever. No, oh, and to add to that, it's not just officials that are listening to this, you know, like uh, Caitlin's head coach has been listening to us. His brother does a podcast for, for hunting, for hunting products. You know, that's what they're into. And um, my, si- my sister right down the street from you, you know, she's been listening to it. So is her wife and she absolutely loves the different content that's being uh, disposed. And, you know, and, and, you know, Tony and I have discussed, you know, like we have been into podcasts, like, you know, the shirt that I'm wearing, uh, the guy that has a Sacramento gym, he sells products for uh, gym equipment, you know, to help with healthy um, exercises. He sells like, you know, wrist wraps, knee wraps, you know, stuff to, uh, to keep you in the game. And their podcast and their YouTube page, I've been following since they started it. It's been probably about five years. So I, I love how they, they've, how they expanded it. And a lot of the things I kind of tie in, like I kind of steal from them, you know, like how to get started and not have to worry about like, you know, what subjects we're going to talk about, just kind of start having a conversation. Right. I, I think I was really surprised at how much this has grown and I'm very proud of it. Uh, but the feedback that we're getting from non-officials is what has been invigorating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think that's the second time that we've heard of somebody kind of getting into officiating from a college class. So we had uh, Jim Sanderson on Mm -hmm. out in California and he was the same kind of way. He was like, you know, I was in an officiating class and an official came in and was like, Hey, you guys can go out and just say what you did. You know, you come out and make $25 on a game for the weekend and it's cash in hand. They're like, Oh, sign me up. So I think I'm going to go, once the schools get back in session, I'm going to go be a professor and teach officiating classes at college. Look at you. I know. <laughs> Life goals. I'm going to be a, a college professor. Life <laughs> goals. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's that's cool. I'd like to see more of that, you know, brought back. I um, In Illinois, they've had a habit of kind of saying there's there's an officiating problem. There's a shortage. There's... You know, and there is right. It's like we're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the number of people coming in and the the percentages of how many people after a year end up staying with officiating at any level is staggeringly low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and frankly, it's like how do you, how do you blame somebody that if you're 18 years old or whatever and you come in and people are acting like idiots and screaming at you and telling you how terrible you are or whatever? The 18 year old's like, well. F this. Exactly. Why, why, right. why, do I, why do I need this? I don't need it. And and I don't blame them. Um, so Illinois always pointed to like, there's a problem, there's a shortage, we need to do something about it. And then, you know, just like everybody else, I feel like they're, they're not so great at, okay, how do we combat that? Um, you know, so they, back in the day, they used to do a recruitment sort of a thing. And so like, I was part of that at one point where we used to go to high schools and talk to uh, either sports teams or talk to uh, PE classes. So we'd go in and we'd have a period to kind of show a slideshow of 
here's what we do on the field and here's some places that I've been and kind of highlight some of the non-officiating things, right? It's like, I would have never gotten to go to here. Mm-hmm. I would have never gotten to to see what the what the chilies in Springfield, Missouri looks like if, if not for <laughs> if not for officiating. Um, it's a pretty happening place. Yeah, exactly. But then you you got like one or two kids. You'd look in the crowd and you'd see like one or two kids kind of go like, oh, like, hey, I'm a football player. I'm not going to go play in college. Uh, I'm probably not going to coach. I love this, though. This would be this would be great. It kind of goes into somebody's head. And then the high school association used to sponsor kids that would sign up through that and they wouldn't have any fees to join and all that sort of a thing. Um, but I, I, you know, it's, it's mainly around here up to the local associations to then take those people and kind of mentor them. And I don't know that we do the best job at that. So, um, again, stuff like this, it's kind of cool to kind of get people perked up and interested and, and have a place to turn to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we do a pretty bad job of doing it, but there's a Minnesota USA softball. They have a Facebook page and uh, Jason Smith up there and you see their cadet program for USA softball. And so they're bringing in not only young officials, but also young female officials and introducing them to the game of softball and what's going on with it to get them into the game. See if they're going to be there. Cause like you said, you know, if you get that, that person that's in there the first year, say they're let's say they're 16. And so they don't come back when they're 17 my first year, I was not any good. I mean, I had just your first year aspirations. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I meant last year as well, <laughs> but they're not good because they don't know any better yet. And we're still learning. We're trying to figure it out and we're not going to get everything right. If we just go out there and berate them, what's going to make them want to come back. I know what made me come back was that passion that I had. Yeah. I mean, probably the only re- like I, I, I used to get, berated as a, as a 12, 13, 14 year old, uh, working the youth games. And, you know, and I look back at it and it's probably compounded by, you know, my dad was running the program. And so anybody that had a, had a, a beef with the way their schedule turned out or whatever was like, ah, oh, here's Gary's kid, that sort of a thing. Uh, on top of the fact that, you know, I'm a, I'm a 13 year old getting yelled at by a grown adult it's trying to like get in my face. And so what did I know back then? I didn't know how to handle that. So I kind of puffed my chest out and, you know, what are you got to sit down and shut up and uh, that sort of, you know, as macho as a 13 year old, uh, hairy Armenian kid can be. It was just last uh, year, you know, you know, at one, the bandits game. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Remember the MPF? Wait, I still exist. Oh, ooh. Sorry. I, it's still, I mean, who knows? I, uh, are they, they're, they're affiliated in some way with athletes unlimited, aren't they? Maybe, maybe not. Oh, I don't gosh. know. You know what? Who knows? Who knows? It's uh, pretty sad. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, uh, you know, it, it, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it if not for the fact that my dad was so closely tied to it. And, and that's what, you know, that's kind of what we did. We were always at the ballpark, but it, you know, if I didn't have him, if I didn't have the whole, that tie, why would I want to sit there as a 13 year old and get screamed at by adults? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there, there's a lot of sides to it where um, there's a responsibility. If, if everybody, you know, 
this used to be the only conversation of if we want sports. It's like, man, if we don't have anybody to officiate the sports, we're, you know, the kids aren't going to be able to play. So let's let's treat these kids like like they're out here, you know, trying their best sort of a thing. Now we're saying we might not have sports because we might not have sports. Insert right. pandemic. Crazy. You know, when you were talking about like, you know, how, you know, getting screamed at, like it actually has been, I mean, I'm not sure how it is in other states, but in Ohio, it's been getting a lot better with these tournament directors releasing it on the app because like those send it through tourney machine or um, you can see it on the Facebook page or Twitter page when they release the schedules. And that's one of the top bullet points that they put in there about verbal abuse against coaches and officials and it will not be tolerated and um, it'll be asked to leave or forfeit. So I think it starts from the top and I think they're doing a much better job now. That's good. We still see, at the like you know the B level and the C level tournaments where the parents expectations of the t- of the teams are just a little bit higher than they need to be but like you know when i see it showcases i see at the A level tournaments there isn't as much uh, stress that's being distributed to the officials and it seems like there's just a little bit more of a respect and i think it's finally getting to the point um i've e- i'm even seeing it in soccer too cuz my youngest plays uh club soccer and just the respect that they have for the officials because that's a that's a different animal um I can't compare it to football or any other sport, but uh, they have zero tolerance when it comes to rural abuse. Usually they don't even give you a warning. You're just, you know, bye, go enjoy yourself in the car, you know. But, you know, it, it's still peaking in interest, which I, I've been seeing a lot, you know, uh, every weekend I'm out of town doing something with the kids with their tournaments. And I see more younger officials coming out uh, just not too long ago. There's a 16 year old boy that's out there. I should say boy, a young man that's officiating it was the first time he's wearing plate pants on the bases and i went over and started talking to him because i knew his cousin who's a 22 year old that's moving up and he's trying to get to the you know our level and i'm talking with him and just the simple things to express to him because i i could tell he was a wrestler just by his built and how he carried himself and as soon as i mentioned hey you're a wrestler right he goes yeah how'd you know i said listen when you're making a call i know they teach us in wrestling you got to breathe before you do anything, right? He's like, yeah, like control your breathing before you even think about making the call. And his eyes lit up. And let me just tell you, that was a world of a difference from the rest of the day. I was watching him in between games and just the, the charisma, the body language, he just felt more relaxed. And that's all we need is just a little bit of feedback. Doesn't matter where it's coming from, just some type of positive feedback so that way we can continue to get, grow this, this culture that we have. Right. I, that's, that's such a cool thing too, because it only takes one little thing to, to click and it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, I know even as we go now, if you're working a higher level of of ball or whatever it is, you're still going to have, if you don't have butterflies, if you don't get, have your nerves going and all that type of stuff, you know, are you, are you really into the, are you really into the game? Are you a human being? Uh, I don't know, but I, even recently I had, I had a guy, uh, a football official be like, Hey, so taming the butterflies. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I get butterflies. You don't want to admit it or any of that type of stuff. He's just like, use the, use the national anthem, use the star spangled banner. He's like, get out there and think about, uh, you know, what, what people have gone through for this country. Think about what your family may have gone through if you've got any military members or whatever it is take a look at the flag slow your breathing down take everything in use that time to look at the crowd look at the flag look at the the environment that you're in and think about how lucky you are i think when when sports you know come back full 
full force, that's going to be amplified for me, right? Just being lucky to be out there. But that was something that stuck with me going, okay, I get my, get my heart rate down a little bit and, uh, you know, use that little, little piece. And, and that's, that's just one thing. And that's, it's different for everybody. That's, I mean, that's huge right there because I, I know Tony's got a little niche when it comes to, you know, when we get our anxiety flaring, you know, when my anxiety starts to, you know, kick up a notch, you know, I start, what I do is I, I look around the horn of the field. I look at the left fielder, then I go to center fielder, right fielder, and then I look right back at the pitcher. And it just helps me uh, reevaluate myself and get myself back into the game. And I almost go into coaching mode. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So the, you know, the infield is in or the outfield start moving in. I look at the batter and boom, I'm right back to focus mode. Um, Tony, what's some of the, what, some of the things that help you get back into motion? Well, you know, and, and people have watched me a little bit is breathing, doing a whole lot of breathing and just slowing my breathing down and figuring out what, what is triggering me. And so it's a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And, um, Scott Mayer was teaching something at a camp up in Iowa and it was, you know, breathing in as you get behind the catcher, giving a trigger to when you're going to start breathing out and just taking that deep breath and letting everything just go. And, and that's a whole thing of what you talk about with that guy on the bases that you were, that you were helping with. And, and it may have been something where, you know, you boosted his confidence. Hey, somebody's actually watching and taking an interest in me just as much as giving him a tip of something to do. And, you know, Florida state, uh, their softball team started using these things called whoop bands. I don't know if you heard, mm-hmm. I've heard of them before, but they track all that stuff as well. And they use it in practice. And when does the player's heart rate get high and, and uh, seeing what's going on with it and figuring out what are the triggers and how can we slow it down and how long does it take for your heart to slow back down? And I know like my resting heart rate and when I go out and I exercise and getting my resting heart rate down to where, you know, when I do have that big call on the bases that I've breathed through it and I'm not letting the emotion of the game take me into making a call that is going to make my eyes see it somewhere different just because my emotions are high. My anxiety is high. My heart rate is high. And then I let that take me into a call that I didn't really see, but I felt. Right. I mean, do you remember the, uh, the preseason, uh, national meeting was, had to be a few years ago where they were talking about, uh, they were talking about breathing and how your heart rate is tied to how you breathe and, you know, slow in, slow out, control your, control your heart rate through breath. I, that stuck with me too. I was like, it, it actually works. It's so crazy to, to think about that stuff. Cause it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in, you know, the, the competition you got athletes that are doing crazy things. Um, and, you know, making plays that, that, you know, you're, you're lucky to be there watching. And mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things where you're like, man, your, your heart rate goes up, but then, it, you know, you got to stay beneath the, uh, beneath the, uh, I guess the emotional level of the game. And that's part of it. You know, I'm going to add to that, uh, because this is actually going to go into this next subject about controlling your emotions and your anxiety on the field is, you know, we all have kids now, you know, we all have a family, and, you know, I have two kids, you know, uh, they're pretty much teenagers, 14 and 12. And, uh, I had to deal with a lot of, um, adversity at home because, um, you know, Nick was, uh, going through some, uh, issues with his boss and he was, uh, deeply depressed and he was through some, some scary thoughts, you know, like what he was doing and experiencing, uh, with his old job. Um, not to mention, you know, uh, Natalie, you know, she, 
was having some anxiety attacks, you know, and uh, she's been diagnosed with ADHD, but like, you know, having to deal with that and just having to control, uh, you know, what's, what's going on with her. And, um, also my youngest one, my youngest one, um, really struggles when it comes to the academic side. And, uh, it, it was, it was probably one of the most hardest year I ever had to, had to go through. And it wasn't this past year, it was, the, it was last year, um, 2019 season. And I just remember like traveling and I would beg and plead that, you know, Nick would not call me when there would be uh, a conflict or some type of issue that was happening at home. And, um, and I, it, it took him a long time to realize that those phone calls or those messages before I step into a locker or, or while I'm driving or I'm flying, those can affect me because, you know, as a mother, I can't be there to, you know, coddle, you know, my, my kids when, when they're going through this, I can't be there to let them know everything's going to be okay. Um, that really hit me because like there was games where I just would have panic attacks, you know, whether it was noticeable or not, but I didn't feel like I was hundred percent my 2019 season. I almost felt like I just needed to give up my season, just give up the rest of my schedule. And that was hard for me. Um, because, you know, as a female and as being a mother, you know, that's, that hits home because you can't be there for your, your family. Um, you know, and, you know, and then I can't say just being a female, but I know, you know, Tony's had some, uh, concerns at home, like while he's away and Marty, have you, uh, experienced anything yet? Or, I mean, I know your kids are still young, but you know, has that come across your mind or has some things come up while you've been traveling and does it affect you at all? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, from, well, I mean, I, I was on the road, uh, after the, after Ryan, our firstborn was, was born. I was, I was at South Carolina two days later. And so it was kind of a, you know, you don't think that stuff's going to affect you. And then all of a sudden you're, you're not there and you're somewhere else and you're like, holy cow, I don't have, I don't have hands on this. I don't have control on what's going on. I mean, we, I think any of us in officiating have got some sort of, uh, you know, type A, <laughs> you know, having control sort of uh, uh, backbone personality sort of a thing. But um, I, I don't even know that it just if it's just kids, you know, it can be like you were saying with work, it can be, you know, you're, you're having a rough day at work or your boss was supposed to be off your back. Maybe your boss doesn't necessarily know where you are <laughs> today or whatever it is if you're out of town. And something pops up and, you know, it's a fire drill and you and you freak out. It's like you got to really try to you try your best to clear all that stuff ahead of time. That's why I'm I'm really um, taking the approach now of being super transparent with where I am when I travel and all that type of stuff. That way I can turn off the phone confidently and tell them like, hey, no, I, I told you I'm doing this and I got to block this stuff out and I'll I'll deal with it when I'm back. Just because um, I've been there, I know exactly what you felt, Liz. Where you you, you feel like you're not a hundred percent, or your mind is somewhere else. Um, it, nobody's really talking about it yet, but I, I think that's going to be a big thing when we come back from from the COVID shutdown. Um, you know, at least in collegiate sports, it's like there's a lot of us travel. Is that going to look different when we go into? Um, you know, whatever, whatever the next season is and what, whenever that is and whatever it looks like, you know, is there going to be less travel? If there's, uh, if there's conferences that are letting us travel or want us to, 
you know, you don't know what everybody's story is. What's what happens when, uh, you know, if, if Tony is is living with his, you know, his his parent or his grandparent that that's at risk. You know, is there an extra amount of stress that's put on him wondering like, hey, man, if I'm going through airports or whatever, am I putting my family at risk? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are going to be uh, tertiary to the actual game and and kind of float outside that. And it's going to be even harder, I think, for us to, to um, I say us, I mean, anybody involved in the game, officials or, or players, it's going to be harder for us to uh, keep it just on the game and just within the lines. So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be a challenge, I think. It is us. So that works there, Marty. But I want to go back and touch on a couple of things that you had through there. And when, you know, when you're with your crew and you're talking to them and, and being transparent with them, because you are my team out there, we are the third team and you are, you are my family out there. You are what I have to lean on and you're my support for that weekend and stuff that you have going on. You've got to communicate to your crew with what you have going on or some issues that you ha- might have or might come up. And, and um, so don't be afraid to, you know, to talk with them. Uh, but the other part of it is, is uh, Marty, did you go down to the Alpharetta camp that was in Georgia, 2000, what, 14, 13, somewhere in there? Were you down there? I was not. You had me at Alpharetta. I knew. I, knew that <laughs> I, I wasn't there. <laughs> I've never been there before. Don't put, don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right before Alpharetta, I had gone to uh, Ohio to kind of prep for going down there for that camp. And uh, my mother-in-law ended up having a stroke. And uh, I don't know if, I don't know that I communicated with anybody down there uh, that my mother-in-law had had a stroke and I was dealing with that while that whole camp was going on. And, and that was a rough part with the officiating and, and shine some bad light. And sometimes it still comes up with, you know, do I put officiating before my family and uh, with Amanda and, you know, I try to be better with that, but you know, you don't know what people are carrying with them. And and like Liz was saying, that stress of the other stuff with your family going on, you know, what are they carrying with them? Talk to your crew, you know, communicate. We had an episode earlier uh, in, in the podcast about communication and we touched a little bit on, you know, communicating on plays and stuff like that. But I think this brings up a point of what are you dealing with at home and don't be afraid to talk. Yeah. You don't have to tell everything and spill your whole life story and have a cry session before the game, but communicate with them of what's going on. So they know what is there. Well, I think it's, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be, I, I guess you shouldn't have to feel afraid to bring that stuff up. I mean, you guys both know the officiating community is kind of a kind of a weird thing. It's like there's a great fraternity and and people would have your back. And then there's other people that, you know, anything you tell them, you feel like, well, that person's going to turn around and try and chop me down. Uh, so there's a weird kind of a dichotomy there. I think that the sooner we get rid of the 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 latter, uh, the better. But I think that, you know, your crew chief, especially if you're if you're somebody out that if you're, you know, Liz or Tony, I know you guys both work in crew chief capacities and so do I. It's like that's a that's a responsibility for us. And I think it's going to be compounded when we get back out on the field. You know, uh, you look at everything that's going on in America, all the 
protests and and the calls for equality and justice and things like that. It's like you don't know what people's experiences are and whether, um, you know, whatever whatever the reality is or whatever the you know the issue is, it doesn't even necessarily matter. It's like what is what is somebody's experience? What are they dealing with? What how do they feel? Um, I think having those conversations that are that are maybe a little bit more difficult beforehand helps you understand the person. And then once you understand the person, um, and you know, a lot of times people just want to be heard. I know if somebody were to ask me about family or history or any of that other type of stuff, it's like, regardless of what the topic is, it's like, I'm, I'm going to feel like that person's genuinely vested in me and interested in me. And then, you know, you, you become that family and you're going to, you're going to work like they're your family when you're out on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, right, for sure. I've had crew chiefs in softball that have taken us out to do an escape room the night before a series. Like we'll go out and do an escape room together and just have to <laughs> get together and, and work as a team, which I thought was really, really cool. And, you know, something blows up on, on Friday night in the first game of the series. And it's like, oh, man, we've we've done this before. We've problem solved together. <laughs> we know how to escape from here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or just, you know, or just going to dinner. Um I think it's there's going to be more and more and more of a focus on that. And Liz, you probably heard this on one of the Big Ten calls, but the the, the thing that has stuck with me from a football uh, uh, crew chief, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Uh, one of the football crew chiefs in the Big Ten has said something that stuck with me, and he kind of went through. It was I think it was week one or week two, talking to his crew and welcoming everybody, and and I was sitting in the in the room as a as a newbie um just like you know trying to be a fly on the wall and he kind of walked through okay here's how we're going to do things he's very soft-spoken um you could take that as almost intimidating but potentially but he uh started talking to his crew about okay we're we're going out here there's there's a hundred thousand people that are coming to this game um you know what what is it that we can control about this weekend. What can we control about the game? And he's going around to the people that don't know him and people are saying, well, we can control our rules knowledge. Well, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you can. We can control uh, this and that. We can control our areas. We can control what our keys are. Yeah, sure, sure. What, can, what else can we control? And he sat silent for a while and he said, the one thing that we're going to control is we can be kind. And it kind of, I threw me back a little bit. I was like, I could be kind. And he started rattling off all the people. He's like, everybody that you get in touch with, he's like, we're not in disguise, but when we get to the hotel and we're checking in, the person that's checking in at the front desk, you can smile and you can be kind to that person. You have ticket takers at the, at the stadium or the guys that are opening the gate to let the cart in to, you know, to get us to the locker room. You can smile. You can say, thank you. You can be kind to that person. You can be kind to the coaches. You can be kind to the players. You know, you could be firm if you need to be firm, but you can be kind. He's like, our reputation this year will precede us in being good people that have a good heart. And we're going to be out there and it's going to be the good that precedes us. Because when stuff happens that we can't control, when the situation blows up on the field and it's like, there's the hundred thousand people yelling and screaming and there's a lot of emotion and there's, however many people on TV, there's a lot of that that we can't control. 
But man, if whether we're right or we're wrong, we're going to start to go have a conversation. And guess what? The person on the other end is going to know that our reputation precedes us and they're going to listen to us. They're going to be more apt to listen to us because we're kind. You're going to treat everybody with respect. That's the crew we're going to be. And I sat there, it was like, that's so huge. And I've never thought about that before because I've been, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've fallen short in that area plenty of times. I wonder when I was mowing the yard last night, Marty, were you listening to the podcast that I was listening to? No, probably not. <laughs> so I was listening to I was listening to a podcast uh, by Close Call Sports called The Plate Meeting. And they had our friend uh, Scott Kennedy from Officially Connected on there. And he was talking about the same thing about being kind to the hotel people. Or if you take an Uber, being kind to that person. When you get to the field, be kind to the ball boy, the, you know, the ball girl. And, you know, he's doing baseball and did minor league, triple A. Right type of stuff. So they have that. That was what he was meaning, but find out who that person is. And he, one of the other things that he talked about was always knowing the first name. And I know that we have a thing in softball that we, that we teach, but when we get up there and we're talking to people and there's sometimes that we use first names or that you can even, if a coach gets out of line or they're, they're getting heated up. The only time that they may end up hearing you is when you use their first name. But being kind all the time and having that respect and and most of them call us by our first name as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that there's I, I think that the landscape of of the um, the relationship between officiating and I mean, at least at the collegiate level, I think that that's changing a little bit. There's that weird line of you want to have a little bit of rapport, a little bit of relationship, but you don't want to have one that is that, you know, that favors one side. You don't want to spend more time with one person than another. If you're going to know the first name on this side, you should know the first name on the other. It's going to vary by the individual and stuff like that. I, I, I know that's not what we've been taught over the years. It's like, nope, this is coach. This is coach and speak when spoken to. I think that's changing a little bit, but uh, slowly but surely there's a responsibility in that as we move more towards, uh, you know, having that line of communication open up, there's a responsibility on our end not to abuse it and <laughs> look like idiots. Yeah. And that was one of the things that he's talking about. If you know, if you go and you introduce yourself to a catcher and you're talking to a catcher, make sure you're talking, you know, to both sides and communicating the same with both of them. Yeah. What, how do, how do you guys introduce yourselves to a catcher? I'm curious. Cause I, I have my own routine, but. Uh, it, you know, it, it depends if they come up and introduce themselves first, you know, and they shake their hands, you know, and I'll, I'll say my name as well. You know, they say like, hi, my name's Sally. And I'm like, oh, my name's Liz. Nice to meet you. You know, and then they'll start like a, like a small uh, conversation. Oh, where are you from, Blue? You know, and, I, and I'm honest with them. You know, I know, but, you know, when we first start, sorry, don't tell them where you're from. Or, you know, that was with the coaches too. Um, but if they come up and you know, they're starting to take warm-up pitches, right before the warm-up pitch, I'll say, hey, catch, how are you? And they're like, oh, hey, Blue, how are you? So I, I try to interact with them it doesn't matter if it's my first name or not but i try to do that that's so funny you mentioned that because i i was taught that too i was taught you don't tell anybody where you're from like oh they're going to come out and they're going to ask you where you're from because they're going to try and use that against you or figure out what conferences you work or do this or do this or do this and so i i would stay away from it and say i was always taught to say like oh yeah you know i'm from i'm from north of here or I'm from the, oh, I work a bunch yeah. of conferences or I do this type of stuff. And Very like, vague information. <laughs> yeah. But now I look at it, I look at it through a different lens now and I'm like, mm -hmm. doesn't that make me sound like I'm being 
super dodgy and super weird. You know, what if <laughs> what if they're just walking up saying, hey, so where are you from? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm from somewhere that's not here. Sorry, from, I can't talk to you. I'm from somewhere that is different than the, from here, <laughs> but not so different from here that that you wouldn't recognize it. But maybe you would because I don't know where you're from. I It just sounds so odd to me. And now it I'm does. like, if things are a matter of fact, and this is just me personally, if things are a matter of fact, then then great. Hey, where are you from? I'm from the Chicago area. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, you know. What's your social security number? What's your mother's maiden name? Yeah, I tell them all that stuff. Why not? Oh, you're not supposed to. So what's your credit card number? Oh, yeah. Yikes. Ooh, I probably need to go check my credit now. When the catcher comes <laughs> out and, you know, she wants to shake hands or whatever, I do the I do the handshake or elbow bump. Maybe now. I don't know what we're going to be doing, but communicate with her. and Elbow bump. And, Who does you that? Know, right. Well, the COVID people do that. That's who does it, Liz. <laughs> But communicate with them and, and have that. We're building rapport. There's one person that we work with more than everybody else. And if you don't think that they're going in there and communicating with the coach, there's one person that can back you up and be on your side and help you have that communication with a coach, whether it's, you know, secondhand information. And, you know, sometimes a coach would come out, hey, what the catcher told me that you, you know, that this was happening. Is this what's happening? Well, no, she's lying. And, and Liz, we had, uh, a tournament this this year that happened where the catcher wasn't relaying the information that a truthful information the coach went back and watched film is like okay she's sitting today you know if you, this is what happens if you're not truthful this is what happens but first name hey where are you from tell them where i'm from it's not that big of a deal if they say where they're from and you've been oh yeah you know that's as you know close to here or whatever that's what they that's what they want they're trying to communicate and you're going to be with them for two hours Mm -hmm. You know, seven innings. I'm going to see this girl six more times at least. Yeah. I mean, I, with catchers and stuff like that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going over my living situation or where I'm from with the catchers necessarily, but I'm going, you know, I, I'm going to at least open up a line of communication and, you know, when I'm getting into look at some warm up pitches, you know, Hey, what's happening? That sort of a thing. And I always let them know that I'm going to let them know where the pitch is when they're close. And that kind of starts the dialogue of, all right, if he's not telling me anything, he doesn't think it's close. If he does tell me something when he's close, I don't have to ask. And then that way, if I let him know, you know, whatever it is, it's a low outside pitch. Uh, you know, I, I have it hitting the knee, but it's outside. Hey, you're just out. Mm -hmm. Little things like that. I mean, that's not by the book necessarily, but it, but it communicates to them that everybody there no, knows where I had that pitch. And then when the coach goes, Oh, where's the pitch? Catcher's first. No, it's just out. Do this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so then, you know, that's, that's a little bit of the, I mean, it, a little bit of that rapport. It doesn't, doesn't work all the time, <laughs> you know, you know, but I, I have two daughters that catch. So like I'm teaching in those core values when it comes to the umpires. And my, my oldest had to experience it this weekend. You know, she had an umpire that wasn't calling the outside corner and, you know, she came to me in between innings, you know, and she's like, mom, she's like, he's missing the outside corner. I said, well, talk to him, ask him, Hey, how much does she miss him by? What, what, how much, you know, what, what do we need to do? You know, just ask him, be respectful. And if he responds in a, in a crappy way, then, you know, let it go. Don't take it personally. I said, but open up the conversation and see how he responds. And when she did, it kind of almost triggered something with him and they built a great relationship for the rest of the game. And she was able to get those outside corner pitches, you know? But it, it starts with, with, you know, how we respond. 
You know, if we respond in a respectful manner, they'll be respectful. And you'll see, you know, especially at our level, those catchers, even like even if we miss one that we knew, we probably we overtracked or should have called a striker. They'll tell their cat their coach like, oh, just you know, you know, they'll say, oh, just a little bit outside, or they'll say, oh, that was out. So let them know, hey, we got your back as well. So we have to build that rapport. Yeah, communicating that back to them, you know, they'll do that, and and they go, hey, I got you, blue. I appreciate it. Put it there again. Mm-hmm. And just communicating with them and building building that up, and so they do get it. You know, you, it's funny you you talk about your girls doing that and building building that umpire's confidence in them as well. Hey, I know she's missing off the plate. How much do we need to bring that back in? Okay, now you've told the umpire that he's right. He's like, yeah, she thinks I'm right too. But get a correction of what you what you need, whether he's right or wrong. We still believe it. Because somebody else is telling us and, and, you know, in those summertime stuff, umpires aren't either they're coming to talk to us or they aren't talking to us and we're not talking to anybody for a whole game. So that rapport that we have with the catcher may be the only communication that we do have. So now I get to talk or, or the parents are belly aching up in the stands and they're like, man, sometimes I wish they would just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, you know, it's kind of those things that you learn kind of along the way. And I think we're all kind of on the same page of where we're talking about, we're saying where those close pitches are at and we're telling them where they're at. And it's not, it's not something that we like to teach, but it's stuff that happens and stuff that you need to survive. Right. This whole thing is, this whole thing's customer service, right? This is a, it's a customer service business. Well, Dora the Martina's athlete's the there. customer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? That was a Dora Martinez uh, uh, phrase that she would always say, like, this is customer service. I, it's one of the first things I learned from oh, really? her. Mm-hmm. No kidding. No kidding. I wouldn't lie to you, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marty, what do you think is one of the big things that you took away from the football field that you implement into the softball game or vice versa? You know, because it's still officiating. What, it, the field is much different, but in some ways it can still be the same. Yeah. So, well, there's a couple things. One is you can use the flow of the game to your advantage and, and it's harder in softball because it's like, this is pitch by pitch, but softball is so similar. Softball and baseball are similar to football in that, you know, football's got a snap and softball and baseball have a pitch. And in between that time, it feels like dead time. So people, if they, if they're trying to get in your grill over something, they can, they feel like that's the time to do it. So you can kind of use, especially like as a base umpire, you can use that, the flow of the game to your advantage. It's like, you've got your responsibilities in between pitches and you can entertain a little bit of, you know, chirping in your ear or whatever it is, but you can let somebody know, you know, Hey coach, we're rolling right now. I, I I can, you know, I'll get back to you when we, when we have a minute, I got to focus. And you can use that stuff, you know, football and basketball, you can use that flow, but, and actually physically run away from the person. It's a little <laughs> bit harder to do that in softball. Um, you, you mean it's weird if I just turn out and run to the right field? Well, I'm chasing it, everything now. Yeah. Didn't you do that the first time we worked together, Liz? Didn't you run away from set? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just, what, what, why are you going to be holding grudges now? Huh? Gosh. Well, yeah, Tell everybody my God, secrets. Look at, look at, look at that memory. No, we, uh, <laughs> that's, that's one thing. And then, um, you know, being a wing official in, in football, which I, I haven't been for uh, a long time that taught me a lot about 
having to, you know, what, what you, what you deal with, what you entertain and that the value of having a conversation shoulder to shoulder with somebody, as opposed to nose to nose, there's a time to turn around and look at somebody face to face and have, and have a, uh, you know, a conversation that's maybe a little bit more direct and, and lets them know from a body language perspective that, you know, okay, I, we're at the, we're at the end of the rope on this, but there's a huge value to, to being shoulder to shoulder because it's subconsciously your peers. And so I've learned that in softball, I'll try and turn a conversation that's not really contentious, turn it, you know, slowly move around and, and be shoulder to shoulder. And, and now you're having a conversation and you're talking with somebody, you're not talking at or down to or whatever. It's just these little subconscious things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not wearing stripes anymore in football. Any, you know, I've, I'm, I've moved into the replay booth. And so it's a, um, it's a different thing for me now, but I, that I've had probably more takeaways from learning the replay process there than uh, arguably than I've had on the field. Uh, I've kind of learned what the value of having a process is. And I'd, I'd like to get more and more and more of that into softball training um even on the field you know when when you're looking at strikes or when you're looking at outs when you're looking at plays at first base you know what's the process how do you work this process in your head um the football replay process is very regimented and that's thanks to dean blandino he's very very good with that and and teaching it and you know this is how um you know, we have this type of play. So we have to do an if this, then that. We're going to look for this element first. Did this happen? Yes or no. If it did, then we're moving to the next. If it didn't, we're out. If this, then that. If yes, no. Yes, no. Yes, no. And move through the process and it gets you through quick. You know, in softball, when you relate those type of things to even being on the field in softball, it's like you talk to different umpires and you ask an umpire, hey, when you're you won, and you're making a call, there's a ground ball to the shortstop and a play at first base, are, where do your eyes go? Like, you're going to get out to your angle, right? And the angle's pretty standard. But do you watch the ball come into first base to the mitt? Or do you focus on first base? And are you looking at a foot first? Or are you looking at the, the glove? Or do you look at the runner coming in? Like, how do you how does the ball get to the base with what you look at and it's shocking to hear everybody's got a different method of doing it. You know, it's like, I, I think we had the conversation, Craig and I actually had the conversation the first time where he was saying, oh yeah, I, I watched the ball or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, well, I see the ball leave the hand, but then I turn and I focus on the base. And we both were kind of like, what do you do? How do you, how does that work? You know? So I, I think there's a benefit to having a process, uh, whatever it is that, that works for you. And I, I'd like to see more of that pushed into the game. Yeah. And I think the whole instant replay side of it can be a whole another episode that we could talk another hour about of implementing it. it. It's, it's coming God willing. I think ultimately it'll be good for the game. I think at the college level, softball is the only sport in the NCAA that doesn't have some very variation of replay yet. Oh, my goodness. No, I think it's definitely going to definitely make a big change to the game uh, just because of like how much the sport has grown. And I think instant replay is just going to help uh, gratify a lot of the um, 
things that, uh, that, you know, we see like, you know, and you remember, you know, down at the SEC meeting, Marty, when Chad Steers was talking about like how freaking accurate we are. And, you know, it actually, it actually made my ears perk up a little bit because, you know, we're sitting there thinking, oh gosh, you know, now we're going to be more exposed. You know, we have this replay. But when he said like just how accurate we were, it just, it made you feel so much more confident about, you know, our, our sport, how much more confident we are about making those calls. You know, how many plays that they have? I think it was like, what, 10 total? And, no, and nine out of the 10 were 100, you know, were on point. And there was just one that was just a, you know, a call that got overturned. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. And it, it just proves a point. Well, I mean, there's that. And then even if, even if you're somebody that, I mean, you look even, what was it Angel Hernandez in the one MLB game where it's like, you know, that guy's, He's in Major League Baseball for a reason, but it, whatever playoff game it was, you know, went to three or four reviews in a row and all of them got overturned. It's like there's a mental piece to that, to keeping yourself in the game. But competition, even with yourself, competition breeds excellence. So even if you're working a game and you get overturned twice, you go, man, OK, well, how do I not how do I not put myself in that position next time? Like, why did I miss these things? Um, but. You know, there's a there's a a desire for us to be accurate. There's a desire for us to be, you know, get all the calls right. Um, you know, that that gets balanced with the flow of the game and and what the game is actually calling for. Um and I you know, I I don't think replay's there to be, you know, every single call, every single pitch, every single whatever needs to be perfectly accurate. Otherwise we'd have robots you know, attempting to do our work. Uh, but it is, you know, it is the big stuff. Like, let's go get run scoring or not scoring. Like, that's, we, we shouldn't have a run score that's not supposed to score. We shouldn't be taking away a run that, that somebody earned. If it's obvious, if there's indisputable video evidence, then let's go get that and turn it mm-hmm. over within the rules. Well, raising our confidence and the coach's confidence in us. Sure when major league baseball brought it in and you saw the amount of ejections that shot down because it was like, well, I don't have to come out and scream and yell about this play at first base because I can just say, Hey, well, let's look at it. And then they got the eye in the sky, somebody in New York or wherever else it was looking at it. And okay. Yeah, no, we got that right. And then everybody can just breathe a little bit easier. They can worry about coaching. And I, I think it'll be a good thing for us. I think it'll take a lot off of, uh, of us. Yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait. Well, this has definitely been awesome. I hope that you had fun with with us, Marty. And uh, I know that we'll have another conversation and it's going to be just what we just kind of finished up with there and and go into more detail about it as well. Sure. Anytime. You act like you got to go back to your job, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is exactly right. No, Marty, we really do appreciate you being on and we would love to have you on again because we could probably talk a few more hours if we had to. Um, I know this has been such a pleasure to have you on, just different insights, different outlooks uh, coming from your background, from the sports that you officiate in. And, uh, you know, like I said, we we value like your your input. That's awesome. I appreciate you guys having me. This has been great. Plus, you can you can hear how smooth his voice is. <laughs> how smooth is it? Pretty smooth. I can hear it. hey well uh nasa is doing that virtual summit for the (laughs) officiating uh world 
check that out on their uh, Facebook page or just jump over to sportsofficiatingsummit.com. You can find out about that. So I appreciate Brad turning me on to that. And, and uh, so I told him that I would put it for sure. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And, and it's going to be covering more than just softball, baseball, all that other stuff. It's going to be covering a, a lot of different areas and how you can use different sports to put something into your game that you might not have thought of before. Sportsofficiatingsummit.com. That's awesome. I know Brad's all over that stuff right now. So I'm excited to see how that pans out. Yeah, he's been great at uh, advocating our podcast as well. So we appreciate his feedback that he's been giving as well. Very cool. We appreciate you being on, Marty. If you want to find out more about both sides of the mask, you can check us out on Facebook or anchor.fm forward slash both sides of the mask is the best way to find the different platforms to listen. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartMedia. What else you got, Liz? You know any of the other ones? Oh, no, you've been actually, uh, you, you're on point today. Good job. Thanks for being on the podcast. <laughs> I've got my ducks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you're on point today. See how long that lasts. Um, well, I appreciate you having me, guys. Well, if you want to know anything else about what we got going on, jump on our Facebook, leave us a message there. And uh, if you want to, we have a Google number. And if I was really on point, I would have that Google number, but I don't think that I do. No, hit us up on Facebook, please. And don't forget about uh, um, the Diamond Umpire Academy Virtual 5K. You still got time to sign up for that. You have until the 15th. Thanks, Brad, for letting me know I did a typo and said June 15th. Anyways, you have until July 15th to get that signed up for a great cause. Other than that, curious on out, Tony. All right. Thanks for joining us today on Both Sides of the Mass. Thanks to uh, Marty for joining us as well. Some great conversation there, and we're going to carry it on to another podcast if he allows us to have him on again. So thanks for joining us. Catch us next time on Both Sides of the Mask. You guys be excellent. <laughs>